The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is Jenna Langbaum. Jenna Langbaum is a creative director, copywriter, poet, and playwright. Her original play, The Night of Blue and Salt, was produced through the New York City International Fringe Festival in 2016, where she was declared by Theezy.com as a force to be reckoned with. Her collection of microfiction, Me in Search of You, was released yesterday through Andrews McMeal Universal and distributed by Simon & Schuster. So basically, we're here to celebrate Jenna and her book launch a day after. Welcome, Jenna, to Ask a Matchmaker. Hello, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I could not be more excited to be here. I'm honestly extremely honored. As a weekly listener, this is such a thrill. Um, And I'm excited to chat with you. That is so awesome. Well, I was really excited to get your book. Um, You know, I guess like one of the cool things about having a podcast now is that people send me their books before they get published. Or before they go, they go out to to the public and I get, I get a, I get the previews and this is really interesting and not like any book I've ever had or own or read. I don't even know what this would look like on audiobook, but like, just to kind of give people um, a frame of reference, like, I feel like every single page is one paragraph. That's exactly right, Maria. Um, I would say overall, the book itself is a in, is an extremely unique format. It's a combination of poetry, prose, and dialogue, um, and it's a style that took me quite a while to sort of um, find my way to. But I think that it what I really wanted to do was illustrate the sort of emotional side of it with the poetic. Um, essence of it, while also making it very grounded in reality and having some moments of dialogue and um, the bits of prose to give you a background. So yes, each story is about 200 words um, and it sits like a paragraph on a page. Um, It's super digestible. You can read them all together or you can read them, just pick one and read it, you know, whenever you're feeling it. So I wanted to create something that was kind of perfect for this millennial dating audience. I know that they're not really interested in full length, full form essays or or things like that. So I thought this would sort of work perfectly for the audience that I was trying to reach. I have a social media idea for you. Tell me, I would love to hear. Because first of all, we have to talk a little bit more about 
you know, what this book encompasses and we'll get there. But because like you said, these are all paragraphs. I thought to myself, like, this would make such a great TikTok. Like just have one paragraph, like, like, you know, like for instance, let me, let me read one really quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. Give people a frame of reference. So it always, so each page starts off with like a title. A verb. That's always like a noun and a verb and the verb is highlighted. So on, for instance, on page eight, it says we cracked and cracked is highlighted. Then it's a small paragraph. And then after that, I don't know what that is. I, I, you have to explain it to me. There's always a sentence after that. Is this to tell me like where this happened? So when it comes to the, um, the ins and outs of what it looks like on the page, like you said, it starts off with a verb that sort of summarizes the overall emotion of the piece. And then it is the short paragraph. And then what follows it is what I've been calling sort of like a punchline. Um, Mm -hmm. It's sort of like me looking back now at that moment in my early 20s and sort of either cracking a joke or giving a little bit more context or just providing a little bit more of my my actual voice um, as the author as to what that really was like. So that actually is a, a very interesting Um, story about how that came about. So I was telling a friend that I was writing this book of short stories and he was like, that sounds great. That sounds awesome, but it sounds really depressing. And you are such a jolly, funny, you know, animated. You encompass rose gold, by the way. Like if there was a color to like, thank you. That you are rose gold. Like I'm a red, you're a rose gold. Like you look fancy, even, (laughs) even on this, like 10 a.m. recording right now. Like you look, you look ready. I I really love that. Um, And so he was like, I I think you should think about it as if you're going to perform one of them at an open mic night, you, Jenna, Mm. you would provide some sort of anecdote at the Mm. end of it or the beginning that would sort of be like, well, that one didn't work out or I never heard from this guy again or whatever sort of was going along with your story. So I went back, I reread every story and I, I just on the fly added in a sentence or two, just sort of giving my personal perspective. Okay. I'm going to read one Go ahead. just to give perspective. So on page 10, it's, we leaked, leaked is the verb and pilot. Okay. So the paragraph is you wanted me to quote, get into camping, to learn how to be quieter, to stop gallivanting. You wanted me to be someone else. And I felt the same about you. It was something we never said out loud, except for once in the parking lot near the Alamo. I'm sorry. We both said shyly and nodded our hands on the clutch. And then the, the punchline at the end, I guess the, the last sentence is, I remember we wore almost the same outfit to the Alamo. We look like siblings dressed by mom. And so here's, here's my idea for you for social media, right? So one, this could easily be a TikTok, not even by you, but someone listening who's like, how do I become the next famous person? Like just pick up Jenna's book (laughs) and make a video of each page with like the text coming through. And honestly, to me, it's like part of me, I feel like I might use some of this as captions. These are smaller than some of my Instagram captions. It's like, it gives a lot of uh, juice. Like, are you doing that for your own social media promotions? So I have been told many times that I need to create TikTok videos for each of the, each of the stories. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying right now to figure out the right format since there's so many different ways that this could go. I'm sort of right now in the process of trying to figure out what that's going to actually be and if right. I want to be in it or if it's just like images or video. And yes, I'm trying to figure that out. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely it on my would- mind. 
it would be interesting to see this, you know, and I don't know if TikTok is the right format, but like the creating a short video of each one and then putting it in a gallery, just kind of like a visual gallery, like kind of it's like, this is performance art to me. Like I, I read this, I read each one. Each one is so different. I'm going to read another one. I just pick up, I'm going to open the book, random one. Um, okay, here we go. This is page 124. We waltzed. Waltz is the, hmm. We kissed at a tiki bar on the roof of a tall hotel and it started raining. It was our first bumble date on a night so hot the air hung like cotton candy. You're sort of unlike anyone I've met, you said, with a trace of fear at revealing such a loaded line. I smiled widely. I'm definitely my own gal, hoping you would roll with me using a word like gal. (laughs) You did. And like so many of them, I left with a smile on my face and a goodie bag of hope, tequila and butterflies. But unlike so many of them, I felt a calmness the next morning. Maybe it was you, or maybe I was finally okay with not knowing. And then the italics punchline at the end is the romance of July gets me every time. Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting hearing someone else read it like to me. It's it's such a fascinating experience. Do I inflect wrong? Are you inflecting in a different way in your head? No, it's just, it's like, it's amazing in general that this is all happening. Like I'm just constantly surprised. Is this your first book? Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, and and, you're, and you did prose. You didn't even like, it's not even like a novel or poetry. This is basically prose, right? Is this, yeah. is this the right thing? Am I using the right words? Literally, no, literary. <laughs> yeah, no, these are just, um, it's, it's a collection of fictional short stories that are, I would say heavily prose. Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I didn't go for the novel yet, Maria, but maybe someday, <laughs> maybe someday. Well, yeah. um, tell me a little bit more about your inspiration behind it. So is this from your dating life or are you collecting from a bunch of people, their romance stories? And also are all of these stories interconnected? Like, is this one person that you're. So, um, okay. So to address the first question, the book is a collection of stories that are from my own personal experiences, as well as the experiences of friends, acquaintances, random strangers I've met, et cetera. I would say a lot of them come from my own life, but they aren't exactly, you know, to the detail, the dates that I went on or the experiences that I had. But I would say the emotional sort of trajectory of the book is Mm -hmm. reflective of my own experience. Um, And then some of the stories, whether they're funny or depressing, they kind of did come from different people as well. Um, And then some of them were sort of, um, like pieced together. So you'll notice that there's like three that are called We Texted um, and they're all actual fragments of text messages that I received and I just pieced them together to um, make a short story. And when it comes to this concept of me and you, I didn't want to use any names and you'll like notice a few names throughout the book, but they're not of any of the people that I'm writing about. It's all like extraneous characters. Um, and so the you changes um, and there's many ways to interpret it. You can interpret it like it's all one person. I mean, that would be a really complicated relationship, I would say, but in general, it's a bunch of different people and one consistent narrator. I understand. I think it would have, you don't have this. Do you, let me check really quick. Um, It just goes right into prose, but like, I kept thinking like, where's the index with all the verbs? Like in alphabetical order. It's actually a great idea that we second, should have second, done. Second printing, second edition. Printing. I got to tell my publisher that. That's a great idea. 
Well, you know, because I want to see like we ghosted. I was like, what page is that on? So that's actually um, on page 31, I believe. I burrowed is the one that really outlines the ghosting sensation. 35. Okay. So I burrowed page for 35. And so it began the filth, the grit, the unitchable itch of knowing suddenly, sublimely, and fully that I would never hear from you again. The grief between these sentences. The anxiety of getting ghosted is a mountain, and I made the scale, burrowed into the downtown sea train, my blood swirling, my back a dead weight. I cried like the emo teenager I harbor inside. I stared at a small baby's hand next to me, and I longed to hold it. And then the punchline, the soundtrack is always Bon Iver, thick, blaring Bon Iver. You know, for me, the soundtrack on this, like if I were to tell you, like I'm reading this and I'm thinking like, tell me, Robin. Oh, yes, that would that would be like, definitely a choice for me, but it would have to be sort of like going out after getting ghosted, if that makes sense. Yeah, she's kind yeah of I like, remember gets you going like, a little. I like this one guy once and um, I remember being at his birthday party. This is back when I was like, I think I must have been 25 and I was at his birthday party at 24. Yeah, yeah. I was at his birthday party and I'm like, I really like this guy. We've hung out like several times already. Like we've t- we, we, we do these like, you know, chats on Gchat at the time. At the time, that's what people were using. And uh, yeah, he invites me to his birthday party. And I'm like, great. Like, that's awesome. I can't wait. Dressed up, got there. And there's like a bunch of women who are like, I don't, it didn't bother me that he has female friends. Oh my God. No. Right. It was the fact that I could tell that they are all having the same relationship that I was having, which was like, you know, I could tell that he was also talking to them the way he was talking to me. And then so suddenly I'm like kind of in the corner Robin. of the club <laughs> and like, I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, why is it Robin playing right now? Just to like, <laughs> get me out of this funk. And then it was like, what song was it? You don't know who I you don't know who I am or something like that. I don't Dancing know. On my anyway, own. Dancing on my own. <laughs> the, the sentiment was there. Yeah. Dancing on my own. And I was like, that's what, that's exactly the year it came out too. So it was like, perfect. And I was like, why? And then I remember thinking like, why am I here? Like, I don't, like, I don't have to say goodbye. Like he's got company. I'm good. And I just left after like but seven minutes. Power move. You have to leave. Well, I cried the entire way home. But he didn't know that. That was just between no, you and Maria. And there's no way he's <laughs> listening to this now either. Um, you know, and I remember, I remember when I cried all the way home too, thinking, um, I guess I was upset that I, that I liked him. Yeah. I yeah. I have really had to understand that feeling so well. It is so tough. Right. So tough. I never spoke to him again. And I think that hurt even more that, that he never even checked in again. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> well, it's such a crazy concept. Like the one that you just read, that was from my own personal experience. Yes, and tell me about it. So I grew up in a very small town, a suburb outside of New York City. I went to a small liberal arts college. What town did you grow up in? So I grew up in Rye, New York. I'm in Westchester. Okay. okay. And I went to a, a very small college up in upstate New York called Hamilton College. Shout okay. out. And <laughs> I got dropped into New York City as a young 22-year-old after college. And sure. I think I was just so completely like startled by the idea of getting ghosted since the worlds that I had previously lived in, you would always come across the person again. 
So I'm not saying I'm not saying that no one had ever not answered me when I was in college or in high school, but I always ran into him. I knew his friends. Like we would always right. end up having that conversation that was like, what happened? Right. Um, but then when you're dating in New York as like a young early 20s person, it is such a crazy experience to think that one day you're dating someone. I was dating this person for like a month and a half. He met my friends. I met his, I met his family. Uh And then I just one day never heard from him again. He blocked me on Instagram and I never. Wait, stop. You met his family? I met his, his brother and his sister. So not his parents. Okay. um, Well, yeah, but I I was, wait, you met his brother and his sister. Yes. Oh, and he met my sister, all my friends. How long were you dating for? So it's a, it was sort of a unique situation in the fact that Mm. we were dating. I don't like when stories start like this. Okay. Hold on. And I never have really had a situation like this again. So, um, we were dating for about a month and a half, but it was one of those things where we saw each other like three times a week. So it felt much like it was really moving. Um, That's what's unique about that. That's isn't that normal. I feel like in New York, in the beginning of a dynamic, it's like, you see them once a week for like a month and then you kind of progress forward. Like right away, we were like kind of going towards the path of dating, but looking back on it now I'm 28 and he was 28. So I think that he liked me, but he looked at me like she's so young and naive and you know, we're on different pages, but he just didn't have the, um, the courage to tell me this. So I never talked to him ever again. And And he blocked you. He blocked you. That's like nuts. uh, Maria, it's an an insane thing of like human decency. Like that's what I don't understand. I think on like, like how you can really, you know, do that as a human to human, like respect level. Anyway, needless to say, after some serious sleuthing, I was able to find out that he was seeing his ex-girlfriend at the same time. It's always that. It's always, yeah. always seeing and someone that, else. That's why the block. It's happens. just easier to block. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if someone's blocking after a ghost, there's, there's another woman. Yeah. That's just yeah. so unnecessary. And it's because they don't want you to communicate with them. That's why. Because if you yeah. communicate with them, then someone else is going to find out. And he was getting tagged in photos with her. No. Crazy. Oh my god. That was All right. like my first New York dating experience. How old were you? I was 22. Okay, you were too young. I was too young. In general. Um god, you know, last week uh all this drama on my Instagram account I because saw that Maria. You seen that? It's a little bit like 24 is too young to get married in my personal opinion. So let's take a step back because some people don't know. All right. Bye. So last week, a woman sent me a message in summary, basically like I've been living with a, I've been living with a guy for a year. I've, I feel like I've already tried out the wife role. He needs to commit or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not signing another lease. He ne- and then by commit, she meant he needs to propose or I'm not doing this anymore. And I asked her, I was like, how old are you? Just, I said, first talk to him. And she goes, I have. And I go, okay, wait, wait, how old are you? Because like, I don't know, ultimatums to me seem, first of all, you shouldn't do shit with ultimatums. Like if you're doing an ultimatum, I said this in a previous episode with Fotini, the negotiator, like mm-hmm. ultimatums are just not healthy. That's mm-hmm. not a place where you want to start, but I want to know how old someone is just to get some context about like, you know, maybe she's 39 years old and she's like, bitch, I don't want to be with a time thief. Totally you know, fair. after yep. six months, if we're not on the same page, we got to go. 
And then she tells me she's 24. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And then I recorded myself putting the year 2021 on the calculator, subtracting 24. She was yeah. born in 1997. I have crushes older than this person. <laughs> and look, I'm 36. Okay. I'm not that much older, but no. I'm married. I've got kids. I'll tell you how hard it is to have kids. I'll tell you how hard it is to be in a good marriage. I'm in a good marriage and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It can be hard, you know, at 24, um, you know, you can't even rent a car in most States. <laughs> Like, yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like, look, it's perfectly fine to want to get married at that age, right? Totally. It's perfectly fine. I, I'm not shaming anyone for wanting to get married. And she wants to get married that, that young because she wants to have a, lots of kids. That's what she said. I want to have lots of kids. Which okay. I mean, 24 to 44, you got 20 years to have as many kids as your <laughs> uterus desires, right? Yeah. But I'm just kind of like, I talked to her privately too. We talked through this, like, you know, it's not what you also see on Instagram. On Instagram, I was just trying to, I'm being funny. Like, Hey, yeah, it was very funny. I was think of things, think of things that were, that are, that make you feel old, but they're actually, she's never experienced them. So like <laughs> someone said, like Tamagotchi's turned 24 this Saturday. And my reality was, first of all, I had like three Tamagotchi's, the lives I've killed. I put a little gift that's like, pouring one out for my homies with a little, you know, beer coming out, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's amazing. No, yeah. I, I completely, I think if, if you want to get married at 24, that is your prerogative and you should do what feels right for you. Right. That being said, I know who I was at 24 and I was not ready to be In married last... or giving ultimatums or any version of that story. So, but that's just me. I, I really like this person because she's, uh, she's literary. Um, let me find our last exchange. Cause I thought it was really good. Okay. So she wrote, I really want to have a bigger family. I worked my butt off to get the income that would support it. And my, you know, whatever. And, and I said, you have so much time. I know at 24, I can't convince you. Otherwise I've also been 24 and she wrote back. Thanks for your responses. I really appreciate it. Like, listen, go back to when you were 24, Jenna, would you listen to me? Yeah, no. No, you, you gotta, you gotta, I, you gotta make those mistakes. <laughs> I think that you're so headstrong from like the age of 22 to 25 ish that you, and then you like come down a little and you're like, what was going on with me at that time? I feel like for me, that was like until 27. And then it's like a cliff, you know, like cliff back to like the ground. Yes. Yes. I, and I, that was probably the time that I was dating the most. So it was just a series of these kind of moments where I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going out with this guy who clearly I'm going to blow like your me. mind. I'm going to tell you why people do this. Well, forget the fact that your frontal lobe is like probably not fully developed, which is, you know, that's its own little thing okay. clinically. But um, I'll tell you why we think like this at 24 and 25. Our understanding of time is different. Okay. So I want you to think of something. Pretend for a minute that we knew that we could live like they did in the Bible, like a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you could live a thousand years, your concept of time, mm -hmm. it would be very different. For instance, you know, with my husband, let's say, okay, let's say I could live to 500, but my husband can live to the age of 70. Well, in the relativity of time there, my relationship with my husband would be actually a minority of the rest of the life that I have. I might get married again and have a 200 year relationship with the next person. Like it doesn't right. matter. And here's what happens, right? Think about what you're like at the age of 22, the age of 24, the age of 25, right? 
half of your life, more than half of your life so that you can recall. So from age five to age 22, you have been in school. Like, you know why we look fondly back on our college years? At the end of the day, college was only four years. There's, I know you're still, you're still in your twenties, but I'm 36. I don't look at, for instance, the year 30 to 34 in some fond manner. Right. Like, I don't have that much, like, obviously things happened for me. I got married in that age and I had my first kid in that age, but like, it's just four years. But when I think back to my college years, there's like nostalgia, there's music. I remember right. there's just a lot of things. And that's because when I was in college between the ages of 18 and 22, I'm not including my master's here, right? When I was in my undergrad between ages of 18 and 22, that was still one fourth of my life. One fifth of my life. No, I, but now I four years at 36, that's only, that's one eighth of my life. One ninth of my life, actually right. one ninth. It's so time that your, your relative, the relativity to time, it becomes less. So now go back to being 24. Now I'm 24. I want to have kids. I totally get it. And that's great that you know that now. Does that mean like, I guess if anyone is listening here, who is that age group, I think it's fine. If you are in a committed relationship and you think that's your person, you want to have kids with them. I am not shaming you. I'm allowed to roast you a little bit because you were born after the Macarena (laughs) and I'm just going to do that. Okay. Right. But, 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 but I also just want to remind you, I know you're not going to listen to me. No one listens. If 24 year olds never listen to other people, I've been 24. I know, but you have so many years ahead of you have a whole life to live. And, you know, ultimately relationships in your early and mid twenties should not be about marriage and kids. It should be about discovering yourself, what your standards are, what your limits are, you know, go pick up Jenna's book and just go through all those emotions. Like I did just thinking about my ex relationship. That's exactly what happened. I was in a position reading some of your chapters. Okay. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about Jenna's book. If you have not, while we've been speaking, uh, I got the link in the episode notes, me in search of you. We popped, we texted, we swirled. I promise there's more to it by Jenna Langbaum link in the episode notes, go and order it. It was just released yesterday in bookstores and on Amazon. So excited for Jenna, Jenna, for this part, uh, for, for going now, like, I want you to read some of your favorite excerpts and tell me a little bit more about them. Sure. We'll we have a little book party here. Absolutely, Maria. I'm so excited to get to read them. So this one is called I Replicated, page 66. There are four black tops, three pairs of jeans, and one casual dress. I do the same wave in my hair, the same dark pink lips, the same black boots. There is such a ritual of costume and performance. My script prepped and read, my jokes timed with precision. The anecdotes I've concocted about my family, my friends, my crazy boss, my fake walls, my high school performance of Sandy and Grace, ready to go. It always goes the same. We saunter on stage, our faces light up, we hug, we smile, we lean, we scan each other for possibility, and then I go home, disrobe, wipe off the paint, and fold myself back to the silence. I can feel my brain mouthing along to the stories like a stage mom. So that's one of my favorite ones, simply because I feel like it's extremely sort of this universal feeling of how we go on so many first dates and we give it our all and we put on our show and try to explain who we are. And we, we oftentimes, even if we're, you know, trying to be our true authentic selves, we have our go-to stories and we have our go-to outfits. And um, I found myself having a lot of really great first dates. And I think that's because I was putting on a lot of energy and a lot of razzmatazz to try and be like, I'm fun. Here I am. Um, when in reality, I was often left 
feeling like what even happened was, you know, how did that even go? How did I put on the show? You put on the show. Everyone knows how to put on the show after a few times, you know, reading this particular one and a few other ones, I was touched like, Jenna, you're so young, you're in your twenties. And yet you have the self-awareness of what the first date dance is like that. That's just like, not a lot of them. That's so (laughs) nuts. Like I didn't, I don't think I, I I set up dates and I don't think I had that realization in my twenties that, oh yeah, we put the same performance on, on every day. It's just a different audience. Totally. And I love you. You say this, um, you say this a lot. Um, and I, oh, now I say it to everyone. You always say, um, like, instead of what are we, it should be, what should we be? And like, am I even into this? Um, and that's something that I think just going back to this whole thing about the first date, I would always be like, well, what do they think of me? Do they think that I'm so funny and that I'm so fun to be around or, and then I would often like call my mom after and she'd be like, so what did you think of them? And I'd be like, I like them, but I think they like me. And it's like, as you kind of go through the motions many times, you really do start to realize like you have to be, you know, judging the same amount that they're judging you. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of times, um, you know, early twenties, women, we can, we often feel like, you know, we want them to like us and we want, we want to get to that next stage. We want to get to the stage that we're seeing each other and that we're exclusively dating and all that stuff. So, um, I think that, you know, writing this book gave me a lot of perspective, honestly, about my past experiences and kind of the energy I was putting out and how that doesn't necessarily attract someone that's right for me and things like that. Read me another. Sure. So this one is going to be on page 122. It's probably my favorite story. How many are in this book? I don't think people realize like it's not like a small poetry book. This is like (laughs) a legit thick book. There's there's about 130 stories. So yeah, it's a lot thicker than I, um, I guess, intended it to be. But I think that in order to get the sort of narrative arc of like post-grad to sort of resent like realizing a little bit more who I was, I wanted it to have that stretch. So this is going to be on page 122. It's called I Ascended. And it is probably my favorite story that's ever happened to me. I love this story so much. And it's true. So, um, okay, I Ascended. It was midnight in May in the back of a cab. The driver's eyes lingered in the mirror and I felt him looking. This is going to sound strange, he said, as the war of the West Side Highway blurred beside me. Oh, Lord, here we go. You have no reason to believe me, but I come from a line of African psychics. My ears perked, and I started to laugh. And I feel I need to tell you something. Love is on the way. What? By July 15th, you'll know who it is. The driver's smile sparkled. My name is Daniel. He laughed, and I laughed. I promise you. I sauntered out of the cab and felt a silly sprout of hope poke from the soil. And that is why I love New York City. Did you? I actually did. Yes. What? So I stop it. Stop no. it. Yeah. So I want the medallion number right now. What have, are you doing? I have this phone number, Maria. Stop <laughs> it. Okay, wait, wait. Tell me, tell me everything. What happened on so, by July 15th? Okay, so what what's going so, on? Was this last summer, the summer before what? This was uh the summer of 2019. This was another world in New York City, as we know. So 
it's the actually the story right before it called it's called we spat um on page 121 those two stories were back to back so i was out during the day on a friend's roof i met someone i i thought that he was cute you know it was going well and then he just was ended up being like just such a loser um and i like was like okay i'm leaving and i hopped in a cab and then this happened and i'm also someone who loves psychics so it was a crazy situation and this was in May. And then I started dating someone in July. And our first date was like July 1st, I think, or 2nd. And I was like, there's like, I was just in a really good state of mind at that point. I was just like, we'll see what happens. You know, you never know. And yeah, we started dating, like full on dating. We dated for a year after that. So um, he was right. <laughs> And wow. our, I think that there's one, yeah, there's one a few after this where it was like our sixth date was July 15th. And I, the whole thing, and I was like, Daniel was right. Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Daniel. And he actually gave me his phone number as I was leaving and was like, I am so sure this is going to happen that if it doesn't, you can call me and I will um, give you a free cab ride. <laughs> Is, like, it's just really funny. It's the kind of thing that's like, did I make this happen or did Daniel make it happen? Like, you know, when you hear something from like a psychic the universe, the yeah. universe, I think, listen, anytime I see this with my, with my clients who do manifests with us on, um, mm. during group coaching, which speaking of which, uh, we have a couple spots left for our next group coaching intensive, which is next weekend. Um, if you're listening to this on May 5th, our next group coaching intensive is May 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, check out the link in the episode notes to enroll for that. But, um, sometimes I see that like women that do that program and they'll do the manifest. And I feel like some of them believe in it so hard and they should, uh, cause it's about them. It's, you know, mm -hmm. calculated, it's a very calculated exercise that we all do together, but suddenly you become more aware of opportunities around you when mm -hmm. you have some guidance. So in like the case of Daniel, you are more aware, like, oh, love is coming towards me. So I should just be open. And yeah. similarly, like, you know, when we have our, when we have our group coaching intensives, it's the same thing. It's, I, I say, you know, I'm like, look, it's coming. Now, you know, your standards, now, you know, your limits, now, you know, your boundaries based mm -hmm. on your compatibility and chemistry and all that stuff. You, now it's all about unlocking those opportunities in the moment. You kind of look for those opportunities. Suddenly there's, there's more dating, there's different dating, there's, you know, dating with dignity, and so just a very different way of finding love, I guess. I do feel like it really is so much about your mindset and, you know, what you, what all the energy that you are putting out into the world. But I really, really feel that because I, you know, I've had all different kinds of states of energy, I feel like. And the more resolute you are in what you want and what you, what your standards are, the more likely you are to find it, I think. Awesome. Yes. I, yes, yes. Awesome. Yes. Let's read one last one. Okay. So this is going to be page 77 and it's called, I waited. I waited. I find myself waiting for this seemingly inevitable you, like the held breath of a countdown, like the footsteps of the man delivering my pizza, like the zoom of my family car pulling up my street. It is in this waiting that I am simultaneously shrinking and billowing. It is in this waiting that I just want to scream, come get me. I'm out front. I'm in my party dress. You'll know it's me. Text me when you get here. That's just one of my favorite ones. And I think it sort of summarizes this um, like yearning that uh, sort of caused me to write the book in general and also just summarizes that feeling of just being like, I'm here, where are you? <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorites. 
I'm here. Where are you? <laughs> that could be the name of your next book. Totally, Maria. Uh, in progress right now. It could even be an anthology. Get everyone's prose to come in. I'm yeah. here. Where are you? You know what? You'll notice that like sometimes that I'm here. Where are you? Like they're not, sometimes they're not even searching. I know. <laughs> I'm going to think about that now for the rest of the day. I'm here. Where are you? Because if you start asking, you know, go to all of your friends who are in relationships and start taking a, like a little, a little questionnaire, like, where did you find them? Were they looking for you? Where did you find them? And you'll see that half the stories they were like, you know, they're all be online dating, but the other half will be like, oh no, we weren't looking. <laughs> Totally. I, I do think it is about a 50, 50 thing. Yeah. 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 And then the thing about that I should tell you is that like, I feel like, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but if we were to take the route of I'm here, where are you to just go what you, to what you're saying? I think we have to remind ourselves that you have to just live your life yes. to you, to ha- what makes you happy. And then that person, if they're searching or if they're not searching, they will show up. Yes. But to, you know, stay home all day, to not participate in online dating or virtual events or not go to friends' birthday parties or, you know, kind of get stuck in this cocoon, then it, it's really hard because there's another person out there who's like, well, I'm here. Where are you? You know? Yes. That could um, go a few different ways. See? Oh, yes. I think that um, I look at it now like I'm here. I'm doing my own thing. I've got my own little universe. You know, I've got a mm-hmm. book. I've got a lot going on. It's like, I don't know where you are, but it's like more in a way that's like, I'll be here doing what I want to do and we'll see. Whereas there are uh, the reverse of that is like, I'm here, like in my apartment, like, oh yeah. Inflection here matters, right? You could be like, I'm here. Where are you? Or I'm here. Where are you? And I think that second part is the empowered one, which is what I would want anyone. Yeah. You know, I want anyone who reads your book, but also from this conversation to leave with, it's like, you got to live your life totally, (laughs) and open, you know, and then open up those, your own opportunities to meet new people. And, you know, every person's an opportunity. So Absolutely. Jenna, thank you so much for indulging us today in this liter- literary chat. <laughs> uh, and I'm really happy for you. Me in search of you. It's in stores now. It's by Jenna Langbaum. There will be a link in the episode notes. Check her out and also follow her on Instagram, right? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jenna Langbaum and hopefully soon on TikTok. You know, we're working through that, Maria. Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it. It would be really good. It, it would be, you know, this could be something. And oh. even if it's not TikTok, it could still be like its own gallery thing. Like I could totally see this in the East Village or the Chelsea or something. Yes, I could too. We have to figure this out. Yeah, we have to figure this out. Everyone, if you if you have ideas for Jenna, send them to her. <laughs> yeah, please do. Again, thank you so much, Jenna, for joining me on Ask a Matchmaker. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker each week. I feel so grateful to receive your questions and you get those no-nonsense answers that your friends just don't have the courage to give you. If you have a dating or relationship question, you can visit askamatchmaker.com to submit your 60-second audio question, your written question, your closure letter, your rants. I, don't text them. Just send it to me and you know I'll read it I'll, and hopefully I have enough time to acknowledge it on an, ep- an upcoming episode. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria for more dating and relationship tips. Until then, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.